0: Hey, welcome to the DFS pregame show. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blenderhead, aka Blender HD. People don't know that the it just stands for Blenderhead, and uh, uh, also known as the person that hopefully is above you in in contests. Maybe today, not not yesterday. It didn't work out yesterday for me. Uh, but uh, this is what we do on the DFS pregame show. It's, an, I mean, this is the second week of this show. I know Travis was supposed to be here today. Right. He was supposed to do Fridays, but we switch. So he'll be he'll be on Monday. Uh, apparently, there's some construction by his house. We all most of us are Roto Grinders people. We work remotely. I'm in Louisville. Travis, I think, is in New Jersey. So like it depends on like what's going on. I know someone behind the houses behind me. Someone could be, you know, I don't know. Well, I don't know what's going on. Maybe there's noise and we switch out some things. So, so it's me. So I don't, I don't know. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? That were people looking forward to Mangone, or you, you prefer me? I have no idea. I can't tell. Hit that like button if you preferred me. If, you, if you're glad that I'm here and not Travis, hit that like button. If you're if you're not, hit the just hit the dislike button. I want to see how many people hate me. So feel free. I think the YouTube algorithm doesn't care either way. So hit the thumbs down button if you don't like me. I'm up to my third cup of coffee. I got I got up early today, uh, just by happenstance. So so, I'm, it, it's not cold yet. But remember, by the end of the show, this coffee will get cold. And uh, the only way to make it up to me is by hitting the like and subscribe button. So so, definitely do that. So we got the chat going on in YouTube. If you have any strategy questions or anything throughout the course of the show, feel free to post it in the YouTube chat. I will get to as many as I can saying, hi. hi Robert's here. What's up, Blender? Yeah, Robert Gall. Got Conscious Machine. Matthew Prodhall, Neil O, best DFS coach around. Oh, am I coaching you? Is this coaching? This is kind of coaching, I guess. Aldo Arnola says, still I'm terrible, but the show is so great. Okay, you you get better. It doesn't happen overnight. I was just as bad as you four and a half years ago, right? I didn't just wake up and just know how to play DFS. I I studied. A lot of the stuff that we cover on the show is stuff that I did, and I still do every single day. When I started, I started October 2015. We didn't even have a tool like Re- Results DB. I would just like download CSVs. I would just like look through players' lineups and learn from the better players. What are they doing? Not who won that day, but just who's consistently beating the game. So that's what I like doing in Results DB. And uh, yesterday we had only had a short slate, a small slate, three-game slate, little island games. I mean, different different times. We had, you know, the late game was... You know, the TNT, so you always get the, you know, the 10.30 Eastern game. And uh, we did have news. We got news on that slate that really dramatically changed things in maybe the last hour before lock, and that was uh, JaVel McGee being out. Because we're kind of all, we were all expecting, like, on a back-to-back, maybe Anthony Davis sits, right? He's questionable. We didn't know what was going to happen, and that game was like an hour after lock, So you had to decide on, you know, do you take a shot on AD, especially like FanDuel with no late swap. But then once McGee was out, like, who else is going to play center? I mean, so yeah, AD was going to play more center minutes, but Howard drew the start and probably was going to play 27, 28, maybe 30 minutes. And he was uh, 4,700 on DraftKings, 5,200 on FanDuel. And he became essentially what the best value on the entire slate. And up to then, we were kind of looking at like Jared Allen and uh, Hassan Whiteside as. Kind of the center place that we wanted, uh, but then Howard at his price, like that, filled the center slot right there. So we could take a look. What I did, we got the two twenty-two, the slam, the Thursday special, which was the fifteen-dollar contest, and the and one, which is the one-dollar twenty max. And I ha- and I highlight this every day. I know you may get sick of me after a while to show you the disparity of later news. Trying to take advantage. If you're playing lower stakes, be more inclined to go heavier on late news than anywhere else. Okay, so if you know uh, Jabail McGee gets ruled out, be more inclined to go just lock button how, just lock them. Right? We we well, I'll take a I'll show you that there are plenty of uh, top players that l- that literally lock buttoned it, or ninety eight percent of them. But we look right here, in the 222, he was 80% owned. In the $15 Thursday special, he was 58% owned. In the $1.20 max, he was only 45% owned. I mean, essentially, a 45% owned guy that a lot of top players virtually locked into their lineups. Look how much leverage you could get on what was, by far, the best value play on the entire slate. Like, Ariza was all oh, like, we, we, I mean, Ariza went from 64% to 52% to 46%, 3,500, his first start for the Blazers. I mean, he, 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 he ran well. I mean, maybe not the first seven minutes, right? The first seven minutes, he only had one rebound, but, uh, but he did well. But we kind of knew that beforehand. So, like, yeah, his ownership, uh, you know, was going to be somewhere around there. Uh, we also, uh, if we take a look throughout the course of all of this, like, take a look at some of these, like, lower percentage players that, on a three-game slate, probably were, still weren't good players. Gary Payton II, he had 3.75 points. 1% owned in the high stakes, but, like, 4%, right? We got Isaac Bonga 1.6%. DeLon Wright, 1.7%, but barely owned in the higher stakes. Troy Brown, 6% versus 3%. DFS, Dorian Finney-Smith, he had a good game. But still, like, look at the overall comparative ownership on some of these fringe players. Yeah, Some of them could have gotten there. You're right. Some of them could have gotten there. But a lot of this is like your edge in lower stakes contests. Look how many people played Porzingis, 11% versus 2% in the higher stakes. Boban, who got a zero, he didn't play. 10%, 11%, 7% in the lower stakes. Yan Mahimi, 4% higher stakes, 13% lower stakes. This all adds up. I know these numbers sound like low, but in, in combination, people are taking shots on players that, you know, John Henson's and the Justin Jackson's, I mean, they were barely owned, right? I mean, we see the, the disparity between some of these players, like Bertans, 12% higher stakes, 20% lower stakes, Jordan McRae, Thirteen percent higher stakes, twenty percent lower stakes, and they didn't put up enough points. So this is this is why you see in lower stakes GPPs the cash lines can be lower because less people play the better plays or go overweight on based on the projections. What would be considered higher median plays at least? So that's why looking at this, look go to results DB. It's free, right? You don't need premium for this. There's uh, rotogrinders.com slash db. You can take a look at the contest you were in, the player, the, the users in the contest, and all their exposures, everything. But I like looking at where did people go, the differences between the stakes. And, and I mean, what, this is how you would learn. Sometimes, you know, you're coming in, you haven't been playing DFS for that long, and you may not be uh, as experienced on highlighting, you know, and figuring out who the, quote, best plays are. I personally would, if you're a premium member, you're looking at, you know, a projection model and that'll kind of tell you, tell you who's more likely to do well. Uh, but if you take a look here and you go, oh, I didn't understand why so many people picked Trevor Ariza, right? And then you look and you go, you know, oh, the fact that I didn't play him, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Well, I, I think it's a bad thing. If you've noticed that he's 54% owned and a lot of higher stakes players played Ariza, now you know right? You, you can judge yourself. You don't judge yourself by the results. You don't judge yourself by Jared Allen putting up 19 points. Cause I mean, they basically he didn't get run, right? They played small. So don't judge it by, Oh, I shouldn't have played Jared Allen. It's like, no, I'm judging it by what did the better players do? Well, the better players played Jared Allen. So it's just, it's run bad. It's not, it's, it's not, you didn't make a bad pick. Like if you if you pick if you picked uh, Gary Payton and and you played him in fifty percent of your lineups or something like that like that that's a bet that's that bet and you go and you look and he's like one percent owned like I th- I think you screwed up I think that's more even even if he did well Larry Nance put up forty four points he was three percent owned across contests he was actually higher he was almost six percent owned in the in the N one one percent owned in the higher states. You put up 44 points for like 5,100, 5,200 or something. Was that a good pick or a run good? I consider it a run good. Cause I'm looking like, what did, the, what did the better players do? What did the higher stakes players do? They didn't really play much of them at all. So I consider that to be a run good. If you played dance, Oh, I'm a genius. I don't go by, I don't judge myself based on like what happened, the outcomes of games. I judge it by what did better players do? What did, Am I we're, we're, we're eye in line with the guys that, over the course of a year will do better on average than everyone else. so looking back in the chat, uh, Philip Galvin says I need a one-on-one with you to learn more the, I, I give away everything. There's nothing more that you could learn one-on-one with me I let, you could go on premium rotogrinders.com slash premium. I have a whole bunch of videos. I have all you know the, I, I'm on shows, I'm in the discord all the time. I, that this this is coaching. This is one on. I mean, I don't think you need one on one anything. Like this, it's open kimono. Ask me anything you want in the YouTube chat. Uh, let's see. I'm still pissed about that trend free. Yeah, the trend three. It got me over the line in cash games yesterday. That was that was. Uh, they were walking off the court, right? They're walking off the court like it's a ten point game, and Gary Trent says, "Ah, oh, screw it," right? A lot of people pivoted to Seth Curry. Like if you played Kyrie in your cash lineup, you're like, okay, maybe I need to pivot. And Curry was up by like one and a half points on Trent. And then Trent hits that three-pointer and the cash line just went ding, like that in cash games. So I went from like a losing day to a winning day on a, on a right at the end of the game. That was beautiful. I know for some people that had Curry or whatever, that was, that was the worst thing ever. So I, I get it. You could be on both sides of it. Let's see. BK reader. If you knew here, put him on your list. of stuff. Oh, Robert Gould. almost knows what's coming. Right. I got BK reader right here. Right. This is also what I do. I look across good players in, I'm looking at the Thursday special. I got Royal Paint. Like there was like a four or five way chop up top. And I know we'll get to today's slate. I know Jason Tatum is out. we'll, we'll, we'll get to today's slate in the second half. Uh, but I actually think the review is more important because at 11 in the morning, like, yeah, Tatum's out now. But it's a 10-game slate. By, by 5.30, like, everything changed. I mean, like, who knows what's going to happen today? I mean, we, we see this all the time. So Royal Payne, BK Reader, I got, like, circling the drain, this guy, Papa Gates, uh, Squirrel Patrol, who's, a D, uh, who's here at uh, Roto-Grinders, Mr. Good Seats, and Brick 75. Now, yesterday, with the Howard News like, what did they do? Like, for the most part, other than circling the drain, only got 67%, pretty much people just played the the, the hell out of him. I mean, pretty much. 37.5 points. He was 58% owned in this contest. People are just like, uh, just give, give as much as you can to me, for the most part. Uh, the interesting part was that with Howard being so chalky in the center spot, I think a good spot to get leverage was other centers. Turns out that wasn't the best move. It turns out results wise, that didn't end up being the best move. So I'm, I'm going to look at center. What I did yesterday, I tried to play more Jared Allen, more Hassan Whiteside, right? Hassan Whiteside's ownership dipped. Originally, without Howard, you know, if Howard played, Allen would have had higher ownership and Whiteside would have had a higher ownership. So I wanted to take advantage of that. So I still played a ton of Howard, right? I, if I take a look at my own build, I played 90% Howard. Right. But I also played 52% Jared Allen and 40% Whiteside. I played a lot of double center lineups. Didn't work out because Whiteside and Allen dudded. But I see that a lot of people also did that. A lot of these players played a ton of Jared Allen, maybe not so much for Papa Gates or Brick 75, and a lot of Whiteside. I mean, in line, I mean, Whiteside was 19% owned. He would have, if it wasn't for Howard, he would have been like 30, 35% though. Same for Jaron Allen. Jared Allen would have been 50 plus percent though. Some people took a shot on Anthony Davis. But if you take a look at, at Larry Nance, like circling the drain at 2% and everyone else had nothing. On a three game slate, we know so much ownership is going to Dwight Howard. It's the easiest leverage spot to see. Turns out it didn't work out, but the strategy was similar amongst all the top, pretty much all the top players. Because at least Papa Gates, I mean, he did get some Whiteside, But he had less, he had less double center lineups because look, he only played, played 100% Howard, a little of Allen and a bit of Whiteside. So a lot of his lineups didn't, in the utility spot, did not have a center in it. So now if I go back to check all, take a look, let's see where they did get leverage. Okay, so the two guys that won, that part of the split up top, Royal Payne and BK Reader. I'll show you right here that, you know, if you're playing multiple lineups, you're playing, it doesn't have to be 150. That You can win in multiple ways. You don't. I mean, you, you, look, Royal Payne had 82% Tim Hardaway with 19.25 points. That was unnecessary. Didn't get there, right? He didn't get there for his $4,700 salary. He was fine, I guess, right? He had 82%. He had 41% Rajon Rondo, which was which, uh, better, a little bit better, 26.5, right? He had 30% Whiteside, right? I mean, like he 30% Allen. He only had 45% Lillard. He didn't go over, I mean, like Papa Gates and Squirrel Patrol. I mean, they went over. Like these guys on this side, they went over on Lillard. But they didn't win. I mean, they came in high, but they didn't win. Royal Payne and BK Reader split up top. So, you could have 82% Hardaway and still have a first place lineup. Obviously, it's not a Hardaway lineup. So, just because you see exposures, I mean, you, you could win with small exposures to someone. We take a look. Like Dinwiddie, Dinwiddie had a great game. Not many people had him. But we take a look, especially that Papa Gates. Papa Gates was one of the only ones that didn't use center leverage. All these all the other players on the screen, in some fashion, used center leverage. Papa Gates didn't. So now I'm thinking, if he didn't use center leverage, then where did he try to get the leverage? Okay, well, let, let's take a look at the blue spots, right? The heavy exposed guys. That's why I like color coding on Results TV. Joe Harris, 60%. Yeah, he didn't get there, 15 points. Kyle Kuzma, 37%. Torian Prince. 44%. They put up a decent score, 33.75. So basically it was small forward, power forward, right? Kuzma, Prince, Harris, and it was the Lakers Nets game. So I'm assuming he had a lot of LeBron. Oh, 74% LeBron, right? LeBron, he had LeBron, Howard. He actually went under on Kyrie, but essentially his, his way of getting different was to play a lot of Joe Harris and Kuzma, And Prince, he probably had a lot of the Lakers, Nets, like game stacks, like three plus two, two plus twos. LeBron, Howard, LeBron, Kuzma, well, Howard, Kuzma, because he had Howard in all the lineups. So that's where it was getting large. Then we take a look at circling the drain. Like he didn't play much Beal, but he played a lot of like Osmond. He played Kuzma, Prince, Porzingis. He was one of the only ones. Look, no one else had, no one else. He was the only one with Porzingis exposure. He was the only one, pretty much the only one with K- 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 KCP exposure. These are all good players. They all make different decisions. Some decisions are about the same. Like, let's just play all the Dwight Howard. Play a lot of LeBron. Okay, okay, that, everyone made that. Ariza was interesting because most people said, based on my strategy, I'm going to play a lot of them. And then Mr. Goodseats said, I'm not. So if you're, let's say, you're not going to play a lot of Trevor Ariza. Who benefits if Trevor Ariza just like, it just stands in the corner and does nothing? He had 82% Carmelo Anthony. Because that makes sense, right? If if Melo's shooting 27 times for no apparent reason, it's probably Probably Ariza just sitting there going, well, I guess I don't get to shoot. So he did that. He was the one that went heavily overweight on Carmelo Anthony. But it made that's that was his strategy to use. He still played a lot of Lillard, still played, you know, still played a bunch of LeBron, a bunch of Beal. Not many people played that much of Doncic. you know, Luca at at 12,000 or whatever. And it probably wasn't a good enough value. Then we see like Gary Trent. Like, how many people played Gary? Gary Trent popped in projections and he did well, 27 points. But we take a look and it's like, yeah, some people went, Royal Payne went a lot. BK Reader went a bunch. Circling the Drain went a bunch. But then we see here, Papa Gates, not much. Because he's playing so much Joe Harris and he's playing so much of that next lakers game that he doesn't need Gary Trent, who's eligible at shooting guard and small forward. He's already filling those slots. So he doesn't need him as much. But Papa Gates played all of the, I mean, look how much Lillard at 70 points. So he was making a lot of lineups. That was Howard, James, Nets, plus Lillard. Using, li- losing guard leverage, right? Because we saw on the center screen that he was the only one out of these guys not to use much, if any, center leverage. I mean, he had to use some, I mean, because he had 100% help. So that's why I look at this. I look at, this is, this is how I go through things. I bring up some people that I want to study. And I go, Obvious leverage spot was center. Who used it? And then when I see someone that doesn't use it, I'm going to go, well, where did they go? And that's what, that's, that's what we're doing right now. There are multiple ways to win. But they're using strategies. I think that's the, that's the key that I'm trying to point out on the, the pregame show. They're using a strategy. They're not just like, who's, who's going to play well today? Just like, now how, well, how is my roster constructions going to work in large field GPPs? not just running projections and just getting like 150 median builds that could mean, because they're all cash game lineups. They all, and everyone's high owned and like you're essentially just playing 150 cash game lineups. So how can I get different? And people choose to get different in different ways. And I like seeing which ways they did versus the ways that I did. I mean, I did pretty much the same thing. Center leverage. Like Kevin Love is only powerful and eligible, so I couldn't use him at center, but I played... What I did is that I played a lot of center leverage and uh, I played a lot of Cavaliers against the, I played a lot of Sexton. I played a lot of love. Uh, I played a bunch of like, uh, I played a little Tristan Thompson, Darius Garland, Jetty Osmond. But like my, my main goal essentially was center leverage and Cavaliers. Sexton did great, but I mean, I had a lot of too many dud lineups with like, I had a lot of Hardaway, I had a lot of Allen, I had a lot of Whiteside. I had, I don't know I 28% Jordan McRae. I wish I could lower that. He just happened to fit only because I was playing a lot of Cavaliers. So I, I, I left uh, uh, like guys like IT and McRae and Bertans and I, I wanted Wizards. I think a lot of people were play- like, I capped Gary Trent and Trevor Ariza because they were like, Gonna be high owned. So, like my leverage spots were center by playing a lot more Allen and Whiteside, and by trying to get away from some Trent and Ariza chalk and play more hard away and play more more of the 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 Cavaliers guards in those types of price ranges. Didn't didn't work out, right? I didn't win or anything. But that's what I was attempting to do. I mean, it's the same type of thing. If you were to study me through here in Results DB, you'd see that also. So I'm, I'm trying to say, what did these look like for these players? What did their lineups look like? Okay, going back into the YouTube chat, Kaz uh, Campbell asks, do you ever prioritize late game players to protect your lineup? Well, that's late swap. Do you ever prioritize? I don't purposely do it if there are late games where there's big news potentially to come out i mean sometimes it's unexpected so you can't prepare for that but if there's a 10 o'clock game there's a 9 30 10 o'clock games where it's like this guy could sit and if that guy sits like these three guys are like great values maybe then i do do that maybe i I leave myself optionality and I, i use late swap and if it happens i get a big edge but it's not a matter of that. I'm not, I'm not looking for a late-game hammer. The time of the games don't matter as far as, like, like I want to make sure to have a, you know, someone in the late game so I have something to sweat. I mean, that's, that, you do that for entertainment purposes, not for, like, an actual, like, positive expected value strategy. But sometimes leaving yourself optionality does, that, does indeed help you. Seth A., you've mentioned previously mini stacks on games where you'll play, for example, Gordon in one of Harden or Westbrook, not both versus Cat. Can you show how you would set that up in Lineup HQ? You have a mix of the Gordon Hay- Harden and the Gordon Westbrook versus Cats. Like if you like, I'll show you. I mean, this is this is from this is from yesterday, but I'll go to today's. I already ran 300 lineups optimally to just to take a look. Player groups, okay. Lineup HQ is premium, by the way. So if you want, if you want this, rotogrinders.com/slash/premium it's it's i mean i use uh, this is like my default screen like i mean i'm this is literally open like all day like it's my main tool it's what i've used since they've come out with lineup hq on roto grinders so like to me like the 40 dollars a month for roto grinders premium just for lineup hq is good enough i mean like it, t- to me i uh, like i can't work without it but yeah if you wanted to set it, let's say you wanted to set up I'll help you. See, I told you, there's like a coaching session. Why not? So let's say I don't want to play Harden and Westbrook together. So I set up a group that says, don't play Harden and Westbrook together. Uh, Gordon and one of Harden and Westbrook, not both versus Cat. Well, you could set You could set up. Well, I mean, the Gordon one, you just just doing exposures. But let's say you wanted to make sure that with Cat, Carl uh, Anthony Towns. Towns? I mean, where gone, where am I going? okay, there we go, okay, pounds, so I'm using a conditional player, okay, I'm use groups only in lines that contain pounds. and then I'll put in harden, Westbrook, and you want Gordon, right, okay, so I already made a rule, my one group can't play harden and Westbrook together, Then I made a second one where. In Carl anthony Towns lineups, I want two of these players, okay? It has to give me Gordon as one of them. Why does it? Because the other rule says I can't have both Harden and Westbrook in the lineup. So if I ran this, if lineups contain Carl anthony Towns, it's going to be Gordon plus Harden or Gordon plus Westbrook. There you go. Those are the groups that you'd set up. You get exactly what you want. So I hope that helped, Seth A. And uh, and I have my complete uh, the MME process GPP lineup building video. It's free today. If you're not a premium member, like just check my Twitter. I mean, go go to they they have it unlocked. I mean, I recorded it, uh, it was like maybe a month or two ago. And I have a whole bunch of more videos. There's also videos from JSU. There's also videos from Squirrel Patrol. There are videos from Andy Means. There's video, there's there's baseball videos, NFL videos. There's, every, you know, all the tutorials. You know, if you, if you get premium, like there's there's hours. You could spend a week straight watching all this type of strategy content and tools and things, things like this, not picks. You get all in it, just get premium. $40 a month. Hey, let's say you don't want lineup HQ. Let's say you let's say you're you're fine. Let's say you're cheap. Okay, which is fine. There's some there's plenty of people that play recreationally. They still would like to play better or whatever. $40 a month is a little steep. I get it. Pay for one month. Just pay $40 for one month and just consume everything and then cancel your subscription. And then you go, okay, I learned everything I possibly could under premium. All the all the you know, the evergreen type of content like like the complete MME process build, the build video, and then cancel. And then now you, you spend 40 bucks and you got all the learning you could possibly get all at once. And there you go. I, we would prefer that you stay, right? Spend some time in the Discord and go, oh, maybe this is worth $40 a month. But hey, you need pay for one month just like Netflix, right? Just like HBO. You sign up, you watch Game of Thrones, and then you cancel. And then okay, you got the show that you want. And then Devin did post the, the link in the chat for, for, that, for that video. It's 47 minutes long. Britt is with me, and I guide him through everything. Literally my process. You're seeing, like, on whatever slate that was, like, this is the actual process that I use to build lineups in a player pool on a nine-game slate. So it's not, it's not even like a small slate area. You'll see it's not magic. You'll go through it and go, wow, that kind of all makes sense. And then you just have to apply it yourself. But like I said, when I was looking at the results DB, coming up with strategies, okay? Where do I get leverage? How do I correlate my lineups? How how do they fit into the contests that I'm playing? If you're playing small field contests, you don't need like super leverage. If you're playing large field contests, you need a lot more leverage. So you don't have to think in terms of like, oh, I'm only playing a 500-man single entry. It's like, well, I I don't need to go and go, let's play, I'm going to play Rodians, Kuru. I'm going to play, I'm going to fade the three chalkiest guys and then play 3%. I mean, you don't have to do that. You you don't even have to do that crazy stuff even in the larger field things for, for NBA. Jeff Wong, hi, can we save the percentages of player to use for a build and then start a new build and then come back and load the old build? Yes, you can in lineup HQ we have let's switch over to my lineups you get get different builds like this is build 1 if you build another one it'll say build 2 then build 3 and then build 4 it's up here i don't know if it's on my screen i can't scroll all the way there so i don't i don't think you can see it uh you got okay devin says it's up there so you can see you build 1 build 2 you get, and then you have like delete this build, delete old builds. Like you could change builds. And then also you could save individual lineups. So like, let's say you could, you could build 10 lineups a certain way, hit the heart buttons on those lineups or save all of those 10 lineups into your, there'll be like a save lineups tab. So for instance, let's say I want to do these 300 lineups. I wanted to save these two or whatever it is. You see up here, it says save lineups too. I could click to that build. Now it's just going to be those two lineups. So you can go in and I can unsave them by doing that. So you can go in. Let's say I'm like, okay, I want to make 50 lineups today. And, but I want to make 10 lineups specifically this. And then 10 lineups specifically that. Like you could do that. You go, okay, I'm going to go. I'm going to set my build rules to 10. I'm just doing it with default settings right now, just to show you. So I'm going to set it to 10. I'm going to make 10 lineups that are a game stack or you know, there's some conditional thing that you want to do specifically for 10 lineups and then do different 10 lineup sets for a 50 total type of thing. So I'd go in. So I'm going to build 10 lineups. So there you go. So I build 10 lineups. I get build two right here and I go save all lineups. All those lineups are saved. And then let's say I want to build another 10 right? I build another 10, I get build three, and then I save all those lineups, right? Some of them are the, the same lineups, and you keep on, you could save as many, and then once you get up to 50, you go, okay, I'm done. You can do that, and if you clear the save lineups. There, clear the save lineups. Delete. I wanted to delete this build. Delete this build. That's what you can do with lineup pitch queue. There's a little bit of a lineup HQ tutorial also for, for, for premium people or just to show off some features. Okay. So let's talk about uh, today's slate, which it's a, it's a 10 game slate with the news. Who knows Does anything I say to now, is it going to matter? I, I no idea. Uh, I, okay. I Tatum is out. I don't know. uh, Do, do we have an updated projections? Let's, you could always get the projections, right? Rotogrinders.com slash premium. To me, I consider it the best projections in the industry. Are we getting, okay, Jalen Brown's coming up. Okay, so we got, I think the projections team got Tatum out of the pool and adjusted everything. I'm assuming the Boston guys come up a little bit more. So yeah, Jalen, uh, Kemba comes up a little more because it's Orlando. It's not the greatest of matchups, I guess. So yeah, so we get Jalen more. Okay, so before the show, I ran 300 lineups. But now I'm going to have, I'm probably going to have to do that again. Let me take off these groups so we don't have to worry about them. Because right now I'm just trying to get a sense of like what chalky constructions would be, you know, what chalky lineups would look like. And so I'm going to go into build rules. I'm just going to, i 300, right? Just 300 to default, whatever. See what they look like. Because I did it before and I'm not obviously. You know, my first run, like Jason Tatum came in 31%. So he's obviously not going to be there anymore. So that build doesn't matter. So while this loads, I'm going to go into the YouTube chat. Tyler Walker, Blender, what was your thoughts for a build rule last night to only have one of Allen and Howard? Too restrictive for a three-game slate? Yeah, I'd, you could do that. I chose not to because, I mean, how many centers did we have available? All right, I get it if you did. I think I'm more likely to do that on larger slates than, than on smaller ones because it's just not... I was looking to get center leverage. So if I make a rule that's Howard, Allen grouped out, that just means I'm getting like a hell of a lot of white side. Right? Because I'm playing Howard in like 90% of my lineups anyway. So yeah, but you could have done that. Uh, for cash and GPP builds, this is from Tony Tischhauser Pronouncing that right? Tishauser? For cash and GPP builds, you mentioned Discord chat to use two different browsers. Is this so you can handle late news easier without resetting settings? Yeah. Uh, on 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 lineup HQ, we have a uh, cloud storage. So cloud storage means that like whatever you have in lineup HQ moves with you. So if you load up your if you sign into Roto Grinders, like you could take your all your settings. And you could go to another computer and log in and use any browser you want, and it's always saved. You could go on your phone and all your stuff is saved if you use cloud storage. It also helps in case, you know, your computer crashes or something where you accidentally, you know, close out your browser. So cloud storage, it's just like any other type of cloud service. It's all saved in there. When you switch to local storage, that means it's not saved everywhere. That means whatever browser you have open, it's going to save it in the cache. So if I cl- if I switch to local storage and close Chrome, like none of this gets saved, right? None of it does. But because none of it gets saved, I could open up like Safari. I could open up Firefox. I could open up another browser, Internet Explorer, and have a completely different. So like I could, I could build GPPs. Let's say I'm going to do like a 150 build here and I want completely different settings to do like some other type of build for whatever reason or cash lineup. I'm just trying to run optimals for cash lineups. I'll just open up Safari and just have two local storage and two different browsers. So you can do that. QQ. How would we make lineup HQ using HQ with a two game stack? The over under is highest on the slate. Well, do you want to do that? I mean, you can, you could go into groups and just literally, if you're going to make those, you make them like 10 at a time. Like you go, like, I want two of this team and three of that team and and just run 10 lineups and then just save them or something. That's it's more likely. You probably would not do that in like a full 150 type of build. I mean, you can. I mean, if you just want to go all in, definitely. Eric Raymond asks, Splendor, is it crazy to avoid playing low stakes double ups? My ROI is better in the $25 to 50 double ups because it, do, it seems like everyone doesn't have like the optimal lineup. It, look at your own results. Is the sample size big enough? I, my, my opinion is that you should play against the weakest opponents you could possibly play. So like I, I can't even play in the $1 to $3 double ups. Uh, none of the, I mean, all the players that I showed you here can't, right? They have over a million in lifetime entries on DraftKings. So, I mean, if your results show that you're actually better than results in 25 to 50, it depends on your sample size. Like if it's like, oh, I played for a month, like that isn't, that isn't large. That is not a large sample size. One season could barely can be considered a large enough sample size even. So just like don't make rash decisions based on like a two-week sample, even a month sample or something like that. But in general, just DFS is a game. So all you have to be is better than your opponents. If you're better than the $50 players, then you're probably better than everyone else also. So just play against the weakest opponents, play them in head to head. So I don't know. And Robert Gall says, just remember even on small slates, raw points are still important. Don't over leverage yourself. That's absolutely right. That's why i still, I didn't want to play that much Lillard, but I still, I mean, I still need raw points. I didn't want to play that much, you know, I played white side. I played, I played some Anthony Davis. because I mean, raw points still matter on small slates. You can't leave in 4,000 on the table and playing like garbage players. Like, yeah, you'll have a unique lineup, but it just won't have enough raw points. But, okay, uh, did we generate 300 lineups? Okay, so we could take a look. Switching over. We still get tons of Deadman Drummond. I've obviously got a ton of Jalen Brown. Do I really want to play a lot of Andrew Wiggins? I hope that projection goes down. Monty Morris, I guess. With what Murray's out, everyone's out. I mean, eh, see that great of a play? What is he? 5,000? 4,700. Fanduel just play well. I didn't even look at Fanduel pricing. I'm assuming you could play everyone on Fanduel. I'm assuming like you could literally just play. You could play all the good players on Fanduel. I'm just assuming that. Uh, we got a lot of Bielitsa. So, I mean, we're going to have to look into, like, the front court because, remember, the Bulls front, The Bulls are, like, the worst rebounding team in the league. So like, But B-Elites is up to 6,700. Is, that, or, or is it worth it to play? I mean, Bagley's out again, right? We have Bagley out. Uh, we'll have to see. Maybe maybe Tolliver gets more minutes. I don't know. I mean, Deadman is still – I mean, he was through 3,100 last game. So, like, he crushed 30 points for that. 30 points for 4,600 is still good. 31 minutes in the last game. He got his double-double, right? He got a double-double. So what are we projecting him as? 26 minutes. So yeah, even at 26 minutes, like he projects as one of the best plays on the board. So imagine if he did get 31, I mean, he'd be ridiculous. So even if you think, let's say he splits it down the middle, he gets 24, he's still a 6X median. So I don't think Deadman's that bad of a play at all. Center only eligible. Monty Morris gets a good matchup against the Pelicans, but I mean, his range of outcomes is pretty wide, right? But for 5,000, I mean, he's averaging somewhere around 5X. He's okay. Obviously, we've got Jalen now. Obviously, Jalen, Kemba. And you know, once you take one of those, one, one of the main four type, the three or four Celtics out, you know, the other ones become decent enough plays. Drummond against Memphis, he's probable, right? His, his, he had a lip cut or something. Who, who goes out for these things? A tweaked nose, a sprained anger, a sprained eyebrow. I mean, it, it, it's ridiculous. The guy I'm scared of the most is Andrew Wiggins. Because against the Rockets, like, that, that total is high, right? 234 and a half. <clears throat> and it should be a close game, right? We got 114. Yeah, 120 to 114. Seven thousand for Wiggins, but we've seen Wiggins. like to me on this slate currently at least. Wiggins is the type of player where if he's chalky, I play; I want to play very little of him. And if he's contrarian, if he's low owned, I'm going to play a lot of him. So if you understand, just understand that concept. We're talking about a wide range of outcomes. Player, we've seen it with Wiggins. He could go, he could go for 50, 50 fantasy points. He could also. St- do nothing. You could also put 20 fantasy points. So understand when the outcomes are wide, it could be one or the other. Those are the types of players where you want to be the opposite of the field. More likely in large field GPPs for leverage. If you choose, sometimes you gotta be even or whatever. And just, it doesn't matter at that point. But those are the types of players. I don't want to get different on guys that have narrower range of outcomes or more likely to hit their ceiling. So I look at Wiggins and go, like right now, Chris Jamino's hamster wheel. I mean, these are this is all preliminary. If you get premium, rotogrinders.com slash premium, these will update throughout the day. You get lineup HQ, you get all the projections. Like these things, it's 11.42 in the morning, Eastern time. By 5.30, by 6, by 6, by 6.30, all, all of this. I mean, the, the, this all changes. But right now, based on our projections, Wiggins would be 36% owned. I, I can just tell you right now, uh, if Wiggins was 36% owned on the slate, i probably have zero. And if Wiggins was, let's say we cut off the three, let's say we just cut off the three and he's 6% owned, I'll have 30%. So if you under, just understand the concept that I'm not trying to predict whether or not Wiggins is going to do well. That's what the projection model is trying to do. Right, all of that stuff, all the matchups, all the defense versus archetype, the pace, the total, <coughs> who's on the court, the defensive efficiency—all all, all of that is factored into it. I mean, that's what the project, that's what Line of HQ project, the projections are. I'm just trying to gauge on like his median is 39, but his range is like 24 to 51. Right, 20th percentile outcome, 50th percentile, uh, 80th percentile outcome. 39 would be a 50th percentile. Outcome. Right now, I'm just talking about right now. This could all change. Maybe, maybe it shouldn't be this up. I just think that he does more than this. I think when, you know, people are like, I'm jumping on Bard Wiggins. I'll I'll, I'll play lineups as if he, he doesn't die. I play more Towns. I'll play more Napier or, or something, something like that in those types of lineups. It's a wide range player. So understand, it's not me trying to predict what's going to happen. I take a look at, uh, I mean, take a look at let's let's go down here, Aaron Holiday, right? We have uh, Brogdon out, right? But they priced everyone up. I mean Brogdon's out. this is the late game, this is the, ten, the standalone late game. This is the real late game havoc, right? People are going to want to play Indiana players, right? Because Brogdon's out. But DraftKings really just they, they, they priced McConnell up to 4,900. <laughs> McConnell ain't 3,400 anymore. And he may not even start. Aaron Holiday will start, possibly. But they, Aaron Holliday is 4,500. So, like, Lamb is, <laughs> Lamb is playing horribly. He's 4,400. Like, they don't rate out. I mean, Sabonis is the only one in our projections currently. Keyword is currently that rates out as a positive value play in a vacuum. So I mean, I think people may try to go here, and I, it may not be the best way to go, right? I mean, just based on this, I mean, uh, unless they say, like, let's say, let's say, for instance, Holiday and uh, uh, where's McConnell? McConnell does start. And let's say you pre- predict him to have like maybe a median of twenty-seven minutes, okay? And I'm going to move Harren Holiday down to twenty-four. Even if you go by that, McConnell is still barely. I mean, he's 5.6X, but still he's barely there. And his ceiling is still fairly low. Doesn't mean he's not going to get there. Doesn't mean he's going to dud. Doesn't mean whatever. Just based on the price and based on the matchup and based on everything that the projections are looking at. Even though Brogdon is out, the DraftKings has has made the prices reflective of that. Sabonis got a price jump, right? McConnell got a price jump. Warren is up to 6000 now. now. It's a fine spot. It's just that the pricing is refi- it's efficient. You could play them. You could. But I know we're going to get a lot of talk about the Pacers because of Rogman out. FanDuel, on the other hand, who knows what the pricing is. So bonus could be like minimum price over there. Who knows? I mean, their the pricing is just ridiculous. So going back to uh, the YouTube Chat, Remember, just post in YouTube. I'll go through some stuff and then I'll look at YouTube chat Then I'll post, I'll talk about stuff. I want to say hi to everyone. Even Buster Ventura with the scalloped potatoes. He remembers from the sweat show. Cause Campbell asks a personal question. Are you a former poker player? Yep. I played poker for a living for about five years. Uh, in, the, in the mid, like to, during the boom period, like 2003 to 2008, like that type of period. Uh, and that's how I paid. That's how I paid my rent in New York City. Uh, pretty much playing poker, mostly live poker. I played online also, but it was mostly like in underground rooms in New York City, Atlantic City, stuff like that. Okay, going through the YouTube chat. I don't think, uh, no bones about it says, I don't think Deadman is necessary for Sacramento tonight versus this diminished front court for Chicago. His minutes could come down here big time. Okay, if you believe in that possibility, okay, understand we can't predict what's going to happen. We could just determine a certain probability of things. And the probabilities aren't like 90%, 10%. It's more like 58%, 42%. I mean, like it's much closer than you think. So if you think, for instance, no bones, no bones about it. If you think that that's more like people, the field, everyone that's playing tonight, are going to look at Deadman's projection and go, jam him in. And you go, well, I think there may actually be a, a slightly more of a probability that getting getting gets less run than what you should you be doing you should be fading. and if it turns out he gets thirty one minutes and burns you, then you lose that day and that's just what it is. so if you think that, build your lineups to maximize on that outcome if, if that's what you believe has there's more of a probability that deadman gets less run than what people think and just build him that way if you if you think that uh Deadman still has a good probability of beating out his forty six hundred dollar price tag, even at forty eight percent ownership. Then play a lot of them. It's all a probability game. But if you're gonna play lineups, you are going to play Deadman lineups, you if he's the chalk. Remember, this is we're early. If he's going to be fifty percent not on a nine game slate, like you. You can't play chalk with them. Like don't 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 play. I'm gonna play Jalen Brown and Drummond, Deadman to get like you're playing a cash lineup. Don't play that in large field GPP. If you're playing a Deadman Drummond lineup, you need to find leverage elsewhere. And if you're not playing Deadman or Drummond in a lineup, you found the leverage. That is the leverage. So then you don't have to really worry about the rest of your lineup. If I if I were to build lineups that are like no Deadman, no Drummond, I would just basically go. Give me, give me who give me everyone. Give me who would give me the best plays at that point. I think I get enough leverage regardless because I'm fading like guys that are very high on. Cos Campbell says they do a great job updating projections as the day goes by. Yeah, I mean, we even look. eleven thirty in the morning. Jalen uh, you know, the Jason Tatum gets ruled out, and within five minutes, five, ten minutes, we got look. We even have the updates, right? Update. You can even go to the log. There's a there's a change log. See change log for DraftKings NBA projections. You see who, who updated them. You know, taking the guy out and changing the minutes and recalculating the usage and everything. There you go. You could see that. Matthew Proto asks, "What's my biggest win? Uh, 100K. I have 100K, a 50K, a 50K, a 50. I mean, I." I, but you can see it on my, my Roto-Grinders results page. I have uh, four large, four five five large field GPP wins, first places. And then I have like four or five second places. And then I have like maybe two or three third places, large ones, like, you know, five, five figure ones, 17,000 players, 50,000, 68,000. You know, those are the contests that I typically play. I know a lot of people, a lot of other analysts here play on the small, like the higher stakes, smaller field stuff. It's the same thing. It's just different, slightly different skills. You don't need as much leverage. So it's not, it's not like one way is better than the other. It's just, you know, when you're, when you're playing 50 lineups, 60, 80 lineups, a hundred lineups into a large field GPP, like I'm looking more at this than like, I could I can also hand build three lineups. I mean, I could also do that. I just tend to focus on large field GPP. Who are the chalkiest plays at the moment for tonight? I mean, we, we're taking a look at them now. I mean, this is yesterday. I mean, based on our projections, it's guys like Dedman, Morris, Brown, Drummond, Wiggins. I That's going to go down. Please. I almost want, maybe I should want it. Is Wiggins chalk? I, I can't see it. He has to fill, someone has to fill small forward. Well, we get Jalen Brown at small forward shooting guard. Reggie Bullock, is he going to be chalk? I mean, he's 4K. He projects decently. Steven Adams, if he's back and plays 29 minutes, that isn't, that isn't horrible. All this stuff can change by five. I mean, like, really. If, you're, if, if, it's, if it's 11.52 Eastern time, if you're sitting down now going, oh, I'm going to make my lineups and make my picks and choose my players and then not do anything, like, by set, it's, it's almost like the work doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, I'm, I'm taking, to me, just like this show, I'm just taking little, just an early look. Look at initial projections, look at constructions, right? That's why I'm looking at. That's why I built 300 lineups. I'm looking at constructions, double center, Drummond, Demon. small forward. Like I'll take a look at, let's say small forward, a lot of Brown, a lot of Wiggins shooting guard, a lot of Brown, a lot of Wiggins based on, you know, our projections point guard, a lot of Morris Culver, even. Kind of, it kind of looks like uh, you know a Boston, Minnesota, Drummond, deadman type of game. I mean, I look at uh, the, the power forward, a lot of Bielitsa, a lot of Gay. That's, I mean, it's not. It, this is going to change, but I'm just taking a look at the construction. So I'm not paying up at small forward, center, paying up and down at center, small forward, mid range. So that's what I'm looking. At. I'm looking at the construction. I'm not seeing like those high-priced point guards, right? Do we have high-priced point guards on the slate? So I sort by point guard and go, look, Harden, Westbrook, Trey Young, Devin Booker, De'Aaron Fox, SGA, Russell, Van Vliet, Rose, Walker, Paul. Look at all, look at all these, these like mid- to high price point guards. Like Drummond is like beating all their ownership at the center position, and then it's like a mid-range build from there. So it's like right now, these constructions that we're building based on these projections, like these guys, that's why you know that's why the percent ownership looks like this. But all 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 something has to happen is one player gets ruled out, it bumps up all uh, a small fo- a four K small forward like by thirty percent, and then this all all then then now we can start putting in these guys. Now they're going to show up in more lines. So that's why looking at the projections throughout the course of the day, looking at ownership throughout the course of the day, uh building, just just getting a sense of what the roster construction dynamics are going to be throughout the day. That's what I do. I don't focus on who I'm going to play until at least the 530 Eastern Injury Report. Because then, then, now I could now I could start doing buildings. Now, now I can see what's going on. Because like one little thing. I mean, really, one little thing. Look at last night with McGee out. That thing, all my builds were plans on being like an Allen Allen Whiteside guy using a high price center. Once Howard Howard became like the best play on the slate, like the whole construction changes. Like the whole whole thing changes. So getting locked in to like, I'm going to play this guy and I'm going to play this construction and I'm going to build this lineup this early in the day it's useful to think about but it's not like it, it's andy said on crunch time if you are a premium member like last night like a lot of people just really don't understand that like if you if you can't be at your computer or available at least the last half an hour before lock like you should not play nba that day like one thing happens at 6:45 and like all of a sudden like everything changes then you're jamming in this guy and getting rid of that i mean one thing if it if you're gonna play for entertainment if you can play one lineup you want to build it early whatever and just have a little sweat go for it but if you like if you want to try to actually win and be profitable like you got to be available uh alex g i suppose you could think you think it's wise to group drum and deadman together at max at one for gpps yep that would be the type of group where it's like i don't want that construction right so you group out drumming and deadman and go i like both of them but Both of them together in the same lineup will be too chalky of a construction. Or you can think in terms, let's say you're playing a lot of contrarian plays. Like, let's say the rest of your lineups are going to be like under 10% on guys. Then who cares if you have Drummond, Denman lineups? So it really depends on your player pool. So if you're going to play a lot of like 2%, 5%, you know, mid-range type of stuff, maybe you don't make that group. But if you're going to play a lot of the – some of the more chalkier players, at least the, the mid-level chalkier-ish type of players, then maybe you want to set that group. Doing great, Blender. What about Middleton or Giannis at Captain Showdown? I'm talking about show- – oh, oh, the Paris game. Oh, I forgot about that. Are, P- are people enough of a degenerate, right? It's the 3.30. It's during work, right? Oh, I got to play the Showdown, right? I don't know. I did not even look. I don't know. Who are they playing? The Hornets? Hornets Bucks? I, I have no idea. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, go be if you play large field GPP, just try to be different. Uh, no bones about it. Says one mistake I see a lot of people make that I always try my best to avoid is negative correlation in regards to players that cap each other's minutes and productions. That's absolutely right. Go check out my video. It's free. It's a premium video. Tons of people watched it. Premium subscribers. Say it's helped them immensely on how to build lineups better. Immensely. It's my complete MMA GPP video, process video. It shows it literally what I do at like six o'clock. It's for a slate from like a month and a half ago, but I mean, it shows literally what I do. So if you want to see that, it's free today. It's free until like Grindr's live. You got like six hours to watch. It's 47 minutes long. Devin posted it in the, in, in the chat. Like, it'll show it'll, literally what I do. So if you want to know that, hey, maybe you watch and you go, wow, this guy's a schmuck. I think what he does sucks. I mean, that's perfectly fine also. You could, right? But I'm at least showing you what I do. Of course, the strategies change on I mean, slate to slate, but I mean, it's, it's at least what I do. Craig McCoy says, I find myself always just trying to find the best play in each position and not relying on stacking as much. What is your feeling on this approach? Is it necessarily run it back? It's not necessary. It's not necessarily at all. But sometimes you have players in your player, but sometimes, depending on who you're playing, that you may want in certain cases. If I'm playing like a low-owned 5% guy, like let's say I'm playing uh, Trey Young today, but I'm also playing like Shea Giggles Alexander or Chris Paul. And let's say Trey Young is gonna go lower owned. Like maybe it's like I want the Carl. I want like if he goes totally off, it's probably someone on the OKC side goes off especially like a high price players. Like, let's say I play Wiggins. How? Let's say I do play Wiggins. Wiggins goes nuts. 55 points. Well, maybe I want to have Harden or Westbrook in that line. Right? Makes sense. Right? Maybe in that lineup, Not Wiggins by himself. It could. It, 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 these type of decisions aren't like, do you do it or do you not? It's like it's like a 55-45 type of decision. Like, ah, maybe I could or maybe I don't. Or you decide to do it. Take a look at the lineups and go, now I don't think this is the, the best constructions. I have too many of these Wiggins-Westbrook lineups, and maybe I should just you know, make them separate. You go through and you see. So hit that like button. Like and subscribe. It's the last show of the week. Like and subscribe. Uh, because, uh, the more you like and subscribe, the more free stuff we can give away. Okay, that's essentially what it is. If you want more free stuff, like, thumbs up, the videos, Grinders live tonight. Tonight, five twenty. Keep on thumbs upping. Keep on subscribing. Right? Keep on subscribing I and mean, stay subscribed, obviously. And it's more stuff. We'll do more giveaways. I mean, I'm not in charge of the giveaways. I don't know what they're giving away, but it'll be uh, this will be free today. That'll be free today. You know, things like that. People that they, you know pay premium, forty bucks a month. RotoGrinders.com/slash premium. I think it's the best investment you can make. You're going to play seriously, even even if you're playing like. Even if you're playing 20 or 30 bucks a slate, I think it pays for itself within a month. I think you make more than 40 bucks a month using Roto-Grinders tools and content, okay? Like to me, it should be more. Really, based on the RG projections are so good that literally it should it should be 10 times more. If they charge $400 a month at Roto-Grinders and I wasn't in that, I, I would probably still pay, okay? That's how much of a value it is. Me personally, as a DFS player, okay? Because I make my primary amount of money playing DFS, not doing these shows, okay? And I would pay that much. Maybe I shouldn't say it because maybe they'll bump up the price, but it probably should be bumped up. So uh, so thank you for watching in the YouTube chat. Uh, Don Yeezy is here. Yisman is here. Alex G. Uh, Alex G is asking about two or three unique players when running the build. Go watch my MME complete process video. All, all those questions about do I use range of outcomes? Do I use it? It's all in that video. It's free today, so you can just watch it. How do you think long term subscribers should feel about you giving a bunch of stuff away for free? It's for one day. It's not me. Don't complain to me. Complain go, go to complain to Dan Bach. I don't know. For one day. They like it and then they subscribe. That's the whole point. You give it, it's like a drug dealer, people. Don't you get it? It's like a drug dealer. The first one's free. The next one you got to pay for, right? It, doesn't that make sense? Right? Okay. So uh so uh, have a good weekend. Uh Travis should be here on Monday. And I'll I'll be on next week, uh Tuesday and Thursday. And then we got like Tuttle and I think Kyle may be on it. It's Brit's on, I think, on next Friday. Something. Whatever. And then we all go to Nashville, we have a Super Bowl party and we forget about you people. I don't know. I don't know what's gonna happen next weekend. But I'll also be I'll be on Crunch Time this weekend. So if you're a premium member, you'll probably you'll hear me over the weekend and producing the show because Devin produces this show, makes it so much easier for me. But on the weekend, I gotta I gotta look at a million things. So as always, if you like this show, like and subscribe because this show will continue. I hopefully through baseball season, through whenever, as long as more people watch it. So the more that you watch it, the more that you like it, the more you subscribe, the more you share it, the, the, then the show stays on if you like it, okay? So keep on doing that. So uh, so I guess, I guess that's it. So if you're in my contests tonight, as always, uh, I want to be on top of you. So like if I'm first, you can take second. But if anyone's going to beat me, I hope it's someone at least watched this show. So I'm Jordan Cooper. And this has been the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com.